Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 151 for coverage of the Bahrain Grand Prix at night. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And this I, was one of the more exciting races in recent memory. This is, I, I think, yeah, clearly to say the most exciting race of the season thus far. Only the third race, of course. But, yes. Um, it's, it's great to see, and I think um, it can hopefully put a couple of, you know, debates uh, to bed a little bit. You know, it's been getting worse and worse with uh, Sebastian Vettel and Red Bull saying, oh, yeah, this is, this is you know, the new rules make everything boring and this isn't fun and Ferraris are just, you know, because they're yeah. behind. The new rules definitely did lots of things, but make it boring, certainly not. Right. And so we had a combination of the, you know, rainy qualifyings and, and various things that over the last couple of races that, uh, you know, just haven't made for super exciting racing. But, man, Bahrain, I don't know what it is. Uh, if it was nighttime and the temperatures or the you know the tempers or <laughs> what all what all came together, but it just was a lot of intra team battling. Yes. Um, and uh, but also just lots of lots going on on track. I mean, just you know, really good stuff. Yeah, I, the fact that it's a night race, if it works, it, well, here's what's great about it being a night race. It's fantastic for American fans because the race is live at eleven o'clock, not eight. That's nice. And, and um, I think, you know, and for, it worked out. I yeah. mean, it, it looks good. And then it's also a little bit better for the Bahrain people. Mm-hmm. Great. But I think it was oversold, at least by the American announcers, by like, this is the most amazing thing ever. It's like, yeah, OK, it's a race and it's at night and there's cool colors. Great. But let's move on. Yeah. And I think, too, uh, for folks in you know Europe and England as well, I mean, having it at what, three or four or five o'clock in the afternoon, that's that's pretty cool, too. It's not a bad way to not a bad time to have a race. So and Australia like, love they love doing everything at night. So yeah, yeah it's eh? probably Wednesday or something in Australia. So that's <laughs> fine. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the timing worked out well and it was cool looking uh, to, to see it. Um, you know, it was just a different look. And we did, you know, you get to see more sparks and some more exhaust flames. And, sparks are cool. Um, you know, it's easier to read kind of what's on the dashboards on the car and the onboards. And we got some new onboard graphics this uh, this race as well. The, uh, I think FOM has, you know, is rolling out these features as they can, as they're getting them all the bugs ironed out. So New onboard graphics, lessons in Twitter. I mean, my life has been very full today. So to me, what's so brilliant about this race is that there is so much to talk about, but... Uh, we have to follow line and talk about the race winner, but that also happens to be the most exciting bit. I mean, Lewis Hamilton did not have an easy race. He was clear of everybody else, save for one man, Nico Rosberg, and it became a politicized teammate battle, and it was very interesting. Yeah, there was definitely... Um, I mean, there there were politics to it, but it, there, was, there was not a team order, though, is is like... The best news. I mean, that's what made it interesting is that the it was, I think, uh, you know, a battle of just who can do better managing tires and, you know, fuel. And there was that safety car period, of course, which which brought them close back together. Yes. That did save some fuel. So I think both guys were good to go on fuel to the end of the race. So it wasn't about that at, at this point, which made it all the better. It was it was Hamilton on the harder, um, harder tires, but which should last longer versus Rosberg on the softer tires. Uh, which, you know, you've got that window to use them and get the most out of them, and then they're going to start to fall off. Exactly. And uh, that, it was great. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, there were moments of edge of your seat, oh, it's, it's, what's going to happen? This is crazy. And then, you know, Patty Lowe got on the radio to both the drivers independently saying, hey, bring the car home, whatever happens. Yeah, But yeah. it wasn't like, hey, if this happens, you know, go ahead and let the guy by or make sure you get this gap. It was just like, you guys are going to race. That's cool. Just don't crash yeah. into each other. And they didn't. Yeah, I think the message really was, not only will it ruin your day, it'll ruin everyone's day. Keep it clean. And they did. 
there was there was moments where it was a touch more aggressive than I would think is appropriate. But I mean, this is details and in the margins and that kind of stuff. Largely, it was clean and nothing ever got superheated. They did really just a fantastic job, and I was really keen to see it right at the beginning of the race. You know, Lewis Hamilton didn't start on pole. He started outside pole and he just got the better launch. And right in the first few laps, Nico really wanted his lead back and couldn't, couldn't quite pull it off. And they basically said, Nico, you're on a different fuel strategy now in terms of saving fuel and managing it. And you're going to be on a different tire strategy. So maybe this will go your way anyway. And I don't know. I, so that's the bit that I found in a lot of ways the most interesting. The the caution made for an exciting last few laps, but I think the major part of it, especially when it comes to the politics, came in the first few laps when Nico's strategy was different than Hamilton's and on and on. Yeah, and so, yeah, I think yeah, if it weren't for the safety car, um, we would have had you – know, Hamilton had, a, I think, a 15-second lead before the safety car. Yeah, it was close if it you wasn't, know, yeah. Rosberg would have probably been able to make up some of that, but probably not enough to you know get up and really uh, really cause trouble. So, um, But we did have so many battles throughout the field. I mean, that was the cool part. Even for – at the, ba- the back of the points, uh, you know, we had uh, the Ferraris and McLarens in there and STRs, like – Kind of all mixing things up, but then sort of solidly in the middle, in sort of third, fourth, fifth spot, we had we had uh, Williams, both Williams cars. Thankfully, um, we had <laughs> we had uh, Nico Hulkenberg was up there for a while. Checo Perez, who ended up third on the podium, you know, yes. like great job, uh, Checo, to to come home with that. Yes. Um, after so anyway, like the point is, it wasn't just you know, oh, ignore the guys out front and just look in the middle or just ignore the guys in the back. It's like, no, we had right through the field. Um, and then because the back of the grid was getting, uh, the back of the of the pack of cars was getting too boring, uh, Pastor Maldonado <laughs> decided to spice things up at the rear. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, okay. Had, we can we can talk about that a little bit. That That one was tough. I mean, I can see Pastor Maldonado's point of view a little bit. The way... Uh, the way that uh, Esteban Gutierrez took um, turn one was very wide, and he was also wide of the apex at first. So it did kind of look like there was a gap there that uh, Pastor could take. But, boy, I mean, he was pretty far back just as he was leaving pit lane, and he kind of rushed up there. And it uh, just it was very much avoidable collision. Let's, I mean, that was that was... So unfortunate that Pastor did that because he's already built a reputation. This is just adding so many more nails to his already fairly firmly sealed coffin. So I don't know. I don't know how to react to that. And it is becoming the joke of the F1 grid that this guy paid for his ride. He bought his ride. He's got phenomenal sponsorship in Venezuelan oil Mm -hmm. and you know he's got moments of real of proven talent but boy it just is not consistent enough to be in formula 1 right and i was thinking so partly you know they've had some retirements so they haven't done as many laps and whatever and they haven't been as close to points paying positions and whatever cuz just the lotus car just really hasn't come together very well this year but you know so far the retirements and the problems weren't pastor's fault it was sort of so far That's like, right. okay maybe he has you know he's got a ride in what looked last year to be kind of a top team and it's not now of course but 
uh, you know, sort of like, okay, maybe he's got his, his head on straight now and he's sort of, you know, just got a, you know, got a kind of an agreement with the team and the things are going to go well. And then three races in and we see this uh, really just kind of a stupid error. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit, you know, I, it didn't look like um, Gutierrez was looking in his mirrors. It was like he was doing his own thing. And, of course, uh, Maldonado was coming out of the pits. So it was, you know, coming off from a very different part of the track. Right. Um, but... Uh, you know, a bit of a seven ten split, if we were going to use bowling terms. Sure, uh, but you know, for Maldonado, it's like where? Well, two things. One is okay. He didn't he didn't make the corner, so he was coming you know really really uh, quick you know on a very very inside line, and then after he he hit Gutierrez's car, he like continues going basically straight out. Like there was no way he could have made that corner work reasonably well. And so I don't know if Maldonado was then looking you know just kind of what he would have seen. Um, as he was approaching the corner, if he was just in tunnel vision mode or what, but either way, he had a 10 second stop and go penalty. Um, that was that he did, uh, you know, pay that penalty during the race. Um, also for next race. Now he's got uh five grid po- grid position, uh, penalty, and he has three penalty points, uh, in the new penalty system. So, Oh, wow. Um, I, I, okay. Three. Good. Yeah. So that's, you know, it, it, of course, we were talking about penalty points uh, specifically uh, with regard to Pastor Maldonado because it's okay. Every once in a while, somebody does a bonehead move or makes a mistake or whatever. But to see repeat offenders, that's kind of the idea um, is to see, uh, you know, what's what's going on with, with somebody. So um, he's got three points total. These are his first penalty points and, uh, you know, first points of any kind, really, I guess, <laughs> for, for this year. <laughs> oh, so uh, we'll Pastor see how that goes. Uh, collecting points. Yeah, actually, didn't we get a tweet about that? Yeah, uh, you can't call, you can't collect championship points. Who so is going after penalty ones? He might win that race. Yeah, Pastor. I mean, I defended him pretty staunchly last year, and it's like I really admired his spirit, his effort. He really wanted to try everything he could to do um, to win and do well. And everything he could, I guess he tried. That. And he's won. He's won a Grand Prix. That is something that a lot of people can't say. Nico Hulkenberg, for example. So that's why there's so much passion and heart in what he does. I really appreciate it. But I'll tell you, the turning point for me was when he was in Venezuela for just like a parade, kind of like show off the, show off the F1 machinery in the public streets. And he wrecked it. He wrecked it in the parade. Like spectacular fashion. And yeah. it was just like, oh, oh, man. And that was when I was like, okay, there – there's a difference between having spirit and passion and everything a la Sergio Perez and someone that is just got more guts than brains yeah. when it comes to this stuff. Right. And I'm sure that Pastor is a phenomenal driver when you you know put him in a more broad spectrum, but he's just not – I'm now convinced that he's not to the caliber of Formula One. Hmm. Well, we'll see. If, so, well, the, I guess the penalties – FIA has done the penalties. That, that's an official – uh, FIA press release about the the penalties and whatnot, but you know yeah. that was, of course, arguably a pretty similar situation to uh, Grosjean's, you know, one race suspension um, from two years ago. Um, personally, I think this one is worse. Yeah, so that's the question: is like, okay, well, now there's a different penalty structure in place, but you know, Grosjean get you know got a, a one race ban, and you know, and then you know, since then, to be fair, it really seems like he's gotten his act together. Um, but uh, you know is this the right penalty or, or whatever for uh, Maldonado? And I guess, 
you know, uh, it, it's it's easy to say um, now. I mean, the, the best news, of course, is that Esteban Gutierrez is okay. He got up out of the car. He said, what the hell was that on the radio? Yeah, I mean, it was actually, then, it was this quick spin and stuff like that. But overall, it was all pretty light hits. Yeah, So, but, I mean, to flip over sort of one and a half times or whatever. So it's still, you know, eh. just a bit scary to, to look at. Eh. Okay, not for you. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, but, so, you know, that's that's the most important thing. But I guess the real the real crux of it is... If someone had gotten hurt, if, if, you know, the way the car landed with, you know, all that momentum, if it, you know, skidded off into the barriers or something weirder happened and it, you know, ended up on its, on its roof and he had to flip over the car and, you know, it could have gone, could have gone a lot worse. So that's really the concern with penalty points and with a lot of these things, you know, does ultimately come down to a a safety uh, concern. And thankfully, uh, you know, Esteban is fine, but, uh, you know, you, you hope the next the next one isn't. Uh, it's not just a matter of oh, well, he has some points on his record, but he's driving again, and then something worse happens. So, yeah, you know, here's hoping that uh, you know it continues to move forward, and uh, maybe Pastor Maldonado will learn something. But it's you know. On to happier topics. Sure. Force India. Wow, what a weekend for them! Just really fantastic stuff, and you know, yet again we have another phenomenal um, top ten finish for Nico Hulkenberg, who just continues to push and push that car, but. He was not the top force India. You mentioned Sergio Perez on the podium. Partially, a little bit, they benefited from that uh, late yellow flag that we discussed, the safety car we discussed. Mm -hmm. But Sergio was just in a place. He was really uh, on point, and he was able to get around Daniel. Well, he was able to get around Nico Hulkenberg. At the beginning of the restart, Nico was ahead. And then he was able to get around Daniel Ricciardo for a podium. Right, and he... Then to force his way around, but made it work, and Hulkenberg wasn't happy about it. But then, I guess, you know, not many people to get past are happy about the way yeah. in which they and it was, it was definitely classic Sergio. It was very aggressive. Mm-hmm. That That is definitely true. Elbows out, Checo. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking that advice and just run with it. Yeah, exactly. He thinks it's elbows out to check people. It's yeah. like, I, look at me going to all these different sports references. I've got bowling. I just did hockey. I'm going to have to say someone tackled something, and then they hit a home run. Ooh, Hamilton tackled his no-power issue, and then he hit a home run by winning the race. What sport am I missing? Ooh, someone alley-ooped into a (laughs) slam dunk for a three-pointer. I just hope we don't get a curling reference when we come around to talking about Jensen Button. Well, you always got – well, I mean, Jensen wasn't quite that fast. Wasn't quite on the button. (laughs) So, 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 Checo Perez, though. Podium, uh, first time for Force India, and first time since his epic Sauber podium, which was what, a year and a half, two it years ago. It was 2012. Now. You know, yeah. yeah, that was a ways back. And uh, so that's got to be good for him and the team. Uh, 15 points on the board is always a solid choice. And then uh, just behind him was Daniel Ricardo, ahead of Vettel, who they also had some good battling back and forth, and Ricardo came out on top. So yes. um, our props to Daniel for accomplishing that yes. but also to the team for not going ah eh, daniel no slow down let, yeah, let right. that exactly through. exactly and so far we haven't seen any disqualification of daniel ricardo so i think this result may actually stick and he may have some points for the year which you know is weird there's still time um i'm gonna jump into there's definitely more racing to talk about but i just caught, stuck out in my mind the championship points so nico rosberg still firmly in the lead of the championship after all he's won one race and finished twice twice so uh He's doing quite well, 61 points, compared Mm to um, Lewis Hamilton with 50, two wins. Third place in the championship, Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah. That's... That's amazing. Ahead of both Red Bulls, ahead of both Ferraris. Yeah, it's... uh, And even the Williams, who've been doing pretty well. Yeah, Nico Hulkenberg, that's, you know, very well done with 28 points. And next behind him, of course, Fernando Alonso, who's sort of, you know, 
his whole big thing in the last couple of years has been just, you know, not in the best car, but just pick up points yeah. and pick up points, and uh, Alonso, hopefully that comes out well. Right. He's He's got to be the the single best driver at taking a mediocre car and maximizing it somehow. I mean, he's just... He continues to uh, stay towards the front despite, you know, consistent troubles. But it's an interesting thing, Ferrari. I mean, this has been going on for years now where they just they have not been able to build a truly race winning car. And I'm a little bit lost for words with them. You know, they they've been towards the front, but not not actually pushing for a win. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't picture I, – I don't know. I'm at a loss for words here. I mean, do they just not do hybrids well? I mean, the Ferrari La Ferrari, their new supercar coming out, that's going to be a hybrid. So their road cars are becoming hybrids. Yeah, I mean, that's, of course, we talk about the, the relevance to road cars and stuff. But when it comes well, down to which is how what? well it performs, it's you know so much about just how it fits the rules and the very particular kind of hybrid that F1 is asking for. So, well, of course, of course. Yeah. But it is a technology question in a sense. Yeah. I think I think they'll be able to sort it out. I mean, the the rules about testing their own cars and you know the the kind of materials they can use in the way. I mean, they're they're sort of wide open in terms of it's just you know they can make it cost kind of as much as they need to, and I'm sure they'll sell out of them. They're probably already all sold out, even though they're not on sale yet. Oh, so. the Ferrari La Ferraris? Probably. I oh mean, yeah, no, I, definitely. Know, like, no, the, that's that's a different story. Right. I mean, they, those were extremely exclusive. They are only building a 100, and they were very selective about who would even be allowed to buy one. You have to have owned three Ferraris in the past or something like already to even get on the list. To, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, no, seriously, it yeah. was it, you had to more or less fill out like a job application, and they would consider. And I'm sure I don't know details. But I'm sure they turned lots of people down. Right. So it wasn't just a matter of finding 100 people with the money, which is, I think, 1.1-ish million, by the way. Besides, I mean, when it comes to road cars, I mean, if we're going down this road a little bit, the McLaren P1 is kind of epic. So, eh, whatever. Um, anyway, yeah, Ferrari is, in a weird sense, kind of also becoming a, an also-rand. And uh, I'm I'm a little bit just, like, dismayed by it because it's, it's Ferrari, you know what I mean? It's 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 amazing how consistent this is becoming. And with this big rule change, this is for their chance to really jump up again. And it it makes me want to give even more respect to Ross Braun and Michael Schumacher and the other people that were around, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago in that era for Ferrari, just yeah. to see really what they did. Yeah, and it's it's weird because, of course, people... Uh, are moving all around. I mean, obviously, you know, neither Ross Brown nor Michael Schumacher nor, you know, a lot of these other guys are at Ferrari. You know, the the balance of kind of these teams of people that you know, sort of these, you know, super teams, these guys that just kind of come together and just at all clicks and the right engineer and driver and, you know, the aerodynamicist and everybody coming together at the right time. I mean, you could say the same about sort of, uh, you know, Christian Horner, Adrian Newey, Sebastian Vettel for the last four years. Uh, you know, sometimes these things really just kind of all come together and then sometimes they're kind of out of sync. So I feel like, Maybe, you know, it's not that Ferrari fundamentally can't do hybrids or anything like that, but just the case that right now the way, you know, new people coming in, old people moving out, it's just right now they don't quite have the right people talking to each other, um, which is weird because on the driver's side, they've got Fernando a freaking Lonzo and Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> like, you know, you'd think those would be uh, just, you know, who could you have better, you know, possibly do better in your car, and yet Kimi Raikkonen has seven points on the board Compared to 61 for Nico Rosberg. You know what, uh, what else it could be or for Or 26 Ferrari. for Alonso. You know what else it could be for Ferrari? They were more willing to spend money than the other teams. 
they would test more. They mm-hmm. would do more iterations. They would be more willing to spend for $500 million instead of three, $400 million. Because before there was all the restrictions on testing and the testing bans and stuff, Ferrari tested constantly at their very own racetrack and yeah. at all the additional, t- you know what I mean? And they had, you know, sort of custom tires from Bridgestone effectively exactly. as well. Well, and... during, especially during the Bridgestone Michelin war. Right. Yeah. You know, that was, that was helping out. And then of course, you know, Shell and the partnership there was going really well for the fuel and, and all that. So we don't know. There's, there's clearly other behind the scenes. And that was one of the points Luca de Montezemolo said in a quick interview we had with him today as he was leaving the circuit with, you know, one third of the race still to go, um, which was, you know, the suppliers, you know, we need to get our act together. We need to get a better car for on the straights. But also, you know, what do we need to do to change to turn things around? He's like, well, we need more from our suppliers or something. So, yeah, we don't know exactly to whom he was referring there. But uh, clearly there's, um, you know, that was something, you know, they need to do something because they're they're still right now. Um, you know, just being quite outperformed in the uh, in the constructors championship. I mean, it's you know they are fifth right now with thirty three points behind Red Bull, who has only thirty five and fourth. Um, and for them is McLaren, Force India, and Mercedes in number one. Right, and where where is uh, sixth place in the constructors? Williams only three points behind. So, whew, and I imagine probably next race Williams will overtake Ferrari because <laughs> just the. You know, basically just having Massa out right in the beginning of Australia just kind of screwed them over for a bunch right. of points. And now we have one more flyaway race before yep. there's real chance to get some development updates on the car. Yeah. So, whoa. Yeah. Man, just So looking at that, so we were talking about driver's point, but real quick, on the constructor's points, Mercedes, 111 points. And then the second place is Force India with 44 uh, and then wow. and then 43, wow. 35, 30, you know, then it goes down from there, McLaren, Red Bull, Ferrari, and on, and on down. But um, I mean, that's huge. Like, it's only three races, but to just in terms of projecting out and, and looking at the other teams, you know, getting points and all that, it's like that's, that's, they're already on quite a good path to, uh, to continue on and, and do well there. It's a good start. And, you know, you have to look at, at how each individual driver did. Uh, okay, Hamilton was out of the first race early. Bummer. He's won since, okay? And Nico Hulkenberg... Uh, Nico Rosberg won the race that Hamilton was out of and has been second since. So except for the one retirement from Hamilton, it's basically been a Mercedes 1-2, period. Yep. That's that's showing how much of an advantage they have. And we saw it um we saw it with the yellow flag when they restarted. Ne- Rosberg and Hamilton, you know, Rosberg was all over Hamilton. Yeah. But even though the two were fighting each other, and that takes away efficiency, hurts lap times ultimately, they were just shooting pat. They were just making big gaps on the pack. You know, first lap, it was clear that they were already second, two seconds ahead. Mm-hmm. And then just it became their race personally on a private track, and then the rest of the field struggling behind. It was really something. So I don't know. It's crazy. But okay. So moving on, I, we, we got to talk about these guys some more. Williams. I mean, Massa had an epic start at the beginning of the race. Jumped from what? What was it? Seven, yeah, seventh to third before the first corner. It was just a phenomenal start. And uh, they weren't able to quite hold on to the podium, but still another two driver points finish for them. This time seventh and eighth. Again, Massa just ahead of Botas. Again, the two fought each other, but not the not with any team orders this time. At least none that we heard. Right, and that was that was good. I mean, that was you know we were joking about it that when Massa was behind Botas, I'm sure he's like, oh, they're probably okay with team orders now. Right, so exactly. Get on the radio and say, oh, we need to get around this guy. But it was it was good clean battling from them as well. So. That was that was just really good to see, and uh, and yeah, it seems like the 
you know, Williams team as a whole made some good calls. They had the, the two drivers right next to each other. So they say, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's break them up. So let's bring Massa into pit and then, you know, and then Botas into pit separately so they can, uh, you know, just get some space between them and, and, you know, everybody can keep moving forward without wasting, you know, losing too much time. But the car's performance did seem very close to each other as well. It wasn't, yeah. uh, you know, a big problem one way or the other there. So that was good. It's really funny. I mean, it's, I just love how the best racing came between the teams. I mean, that's not 100% entirely true, but a lot of the closest battles were between teammates. And this really was, oh, you know what this race was? This was the most, this was the most entertaining race in a long time, but the one race that really was close to this and quite entertaining was Korea last year, the one you haven't seen. I tried to download that the other day, actually, too. I found a spot for it, but it didn't work. So. The, I'll, I'll say this. I'm telling you this as a teaser. The Korean race was a lot like this one, okay. where there was just lots going on all the time. The way pitch strategies worked out, the way on-track um, on battles were working out, it was kind of chaotic. And for us, it was also in the middle of the night. I watched it live, and I'm like, wait whoa, what's happening? Yeah, and I was in England, but I was all jet-lagged, so it was like early morning there, but I was like middle of the night in terms of my body clock, and I was all confused, and yeah. I was I like yeah. listening to it on the radio because my hotel didn't have the right channel. Like, it was it was not my best work. <laughs> uh, so I was vaguely aware of what was going on, but not not very much. Yeah, well, it's it's worth seeing. And I, but just overall, I have to say that uh, really all three races, all three races this season have been solid, you know, None of them, none of them produced, you know, the parade-like boredom that we've seen in the past. So I mean, that's yeah. an improvement. And then this race really just turned on. Yeah, I mean, certainly the first one was exciting in Australia to see, um, just to see how everything was going to work. You know, and yes. having some failures was sort of part of the expectation, and of course that was that came true. Um, but just to kind of see see what was going on, and we saw then, you know, the relative pace of Mercedes, even in testing, but just to see under the race trim. But also saw, you know, Ricardo, of course, you know, in third spot and on the podium until he was disqualified. Um, but the, to also to show us, okay, well, Red Bull is not that far off the pace. And, yeah. uh, you know, probably going to, if anyone has the budget and resources to move forward, it's probably going to be them. Real quick, uh, Ricardo finished second before he was disqualified. Oh, that's right. So even yeah. better. Um, yeah. and, uh, and and then to... Uh, and then, yeah, and then Magnuson, of course, yeah, behind him with the McLaren. Right. Um, so it was, you know, worth watching for that. And then, of course, um, in, in Malaysia, then, you know, the out front, there wasn't so much to see. But in the mid-pack and, you know, in the rest of the points and so on, it was plenty to see of going on. And, uh, you know, also, you know, with the wet qualifying, shaking things up and so on, it was, you know, I think enough to, uh, enough to be interesting. But this one, it was nice. You know, they actually, they, when the teams got to Bahrain Wednesday and you know, Tuesday and Wednesday this week, um, it was raining. There was like actual proper quite a bit of rain. It brought rain too. Yeah. I was just gonna say like, well, okay, this was the first weekend where everything was dry, right? And I guess the actual racing yeah, bit it was, it was but, but it, was, it was funny. It was like, what if you know, if all the places to have another wet race, it's like, <laughs> bah, right, what in the <laughs> desert? So anyway, it does rain there sometimes, and uh, and anyway, um, so to have a properly you know dry weekend the whole time, and in you know, and then the night. Uh, temperatures and stuff but we're consistent at least you know the sun goes down and everything kind of cools off in a in sort of an unknown manner so it was all uh, it all went well and shoot man we had all kinds of good battles to watch so i think i think it's it's gone well and and for now that this is what i think you have to be concerned about tweaking things especially mid-season because 
you know, it's easy to look at any rules. Oh, wait, we need to tweak this. We should change the way this happens. Or we need to, you know, balance the performance between this car and that car and whatever. And certainly if you're anyone but Mercedes, you're going to say, I want to be faster. So slow those guys down. But (laughs) to just look at, you know, the racing and the spectacle for the fans and all, especially these comments, you know, Bernie Ecclestone saying, oh, you know, nobody's going to sell any tickets because, you know, people don't want these race cars aren't exciting to watch. But apparently, you know, the British Grand Prix, which is a good sort of bellwether for these things, um, is doing quite well for ticket sales, especially because, you know, Hamilton's doing so well and there's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of uh, a lot of support for him and so on. Uh, and, and now I think after a race like this, people see... I hear see, they, um, they like racing in England. Yeah, I think there's a, there's some people there that do. Oh, that's nice. Um, you know, I think I think there's not, not a problem. I mean, you know, maybe if, if there are issues or things that can be tweaked, maybe, but three races in, guys, like, come on, let's keep... Um, or it was really, it was after two races in that a lot of those articles were coming out. And then we'll see after this kind of race, if we still get these stories of Bernie going, oh, this isn't Formula well, One, this is rubbish yeah. and whatever. Well, probably we still will because he's Bernie. Bernie will be Bernie, I'm sure. But uh, it, it, it really was a phenomenal race to watch. And I will admit, because I do want to talk about this for a moment, um, I will admit that I'm definitely getting used to the sound now. So it was always... You know, you've been quite the staunch supporter of it, and I've been, you know, I've been iffy about it. But now it's starting to become the new normal, and um, if the racing's exciting, fine. They can sound like whatever. If they race like that, that's great. And uh, just like you, I also appreciate the technology push they were saying. But um, our our brilliant uh, pit reporter... Uh, Jamie Price, he sent us a quickie little video where he he was near he was near a little electric generator and it was just you know a little Honda going meh and you know we heard that and then F1 cars went by ring 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 and they were quieter than the generator and it was just to prove the point that wow this is a big change. No, no one's questioning the fact that it's a big change. I don't think there's any uh, controversy about that. And change is bad. See, there you go. Change is bad. Change is bad. No, don't forget that we're. It's not just the change. It's just that we lost what was such a good sound before. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty-eight minutes. That's how far we made it before we before started talking about the sound of the that's, cars. That's, that's actually pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think. Yeah. And I, just like I think, you know, Sebastian Vettel complaining, oh, the cars are, you know, the sound is terrible and whatever. It's like, yeah, when your performance is bad, you had a retirement and he's had a lot of right. poor performances. Oh, it changes your attitude. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, it's easy to to sort of if when you're pissed off about a situation or whatever to to just sort of point fingers. Oh, the the sounds are bad and the. These cars are stupid and turbos are dumb and I hate brake recovery energy. <laughs> the systems. cars are stupid and turbos are dumb. Right. But then, you know, when things are working, it's like, you know, yeah, there, there's plenty of rules he could have complained about in the last four years and just didn't because, you know what, everything's going pretty okay. Um, related news, uh, Jamie will will be with us again sometime soon. We're not exactly sure when. His his schedule is kind of crazy. He doesn't, he doesn't go to every single Formula One race and, you know, the next one – uh, is is coming soon, but we don't know how soon just yet. So it could be as early as China. Sweet, yeah, would be cool. And uh, especially China, it, it there'd be some really cool shots, I'm sure. And we'd get to look at them, and I like looking at them. And we can send tweets and things and all this stuff. Um, anyway, uh, so once again, thank you uh, to Jamie for the Malaysia stuff because that was really for me personally just so fantastic, and I'm I can't wait to do it again. Um. But I really want to ask you, this is a fun one. Maybe this should be reoccurring. But who is your driver of the race? 
Huh? It's even got a snappy title. Driver of the race. See, that's so creative. Uh, so to put me on the spot, so I mean, my first thought yes. is, you know, is Lewis Hamilton. It's like, well, he won, and not just by being 20 seconds in front of everyone, but by gaining that lead, having it lost, and then defending it on... On older tires, uh, you know, on, on, well... You know, inferior, harder tires. On whatever. hard tires yeah. instead of softer. Um, so to do that and then and still um, have, you know, Rosberg, of course, would have been happier if he had won, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say dirty tricks to keep him back. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it, there, there was, it was sort of tough but fair in terms of his blocking. So... Um, my other thought was, was, you know, Checo Perez to make his way through. But, of course, you know, he did make some enemies along the way. But sometimes that's, that's what's required as well. So, well, um, chosen ultimately, but yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, it's the, 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 the good news is that you've got, you know, several to pick from, right? You could look at how Massa did or how Hulkenberg did or Ricardo to say, oh, he's better than, his, you know, better than Vettel and all that. Right. So there's sort of several solid choices, which I think is a good thing. But um, I would just my, – my pick I, really is, is Hamilton. I mean, you can't argue with success in one side. And uh, the way I can't argue with success. You're wrong. Okay, you're wrong, actually, and it's quite uh, blatant who it is. It's it's it is Daniel Ricciardo because he's louder. He's louder, bro, mate. Anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) he uh, what? He's he's my driver of the race because he was on the he was 13th on the grid. His whole season has been the first two races have just been a lot of things thrown at him that aren't his fault. That uh, make put his results on paper not nearly as impressive as they were in actuality. He goes from thirteenth to fourth. He passes his teammate on track twice. He go he finishes ahead of his teammate and he was hounding. He was only four tenths of a second behind Sergio Perez um, at the end of the race. He was hounding for third. He was fighting for the podium again. And for me, all that combined especially considering where he was coming from, to have that um, internal confidence and to have that skill and everything else. I'm just super impressed by that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, to come out smiling after all that. And he can Who smile. Who could imagine? Yeah, I know. Quite good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. Well, um, that was also louder than F1 talk. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> so just... Yeah, dismal race for Maldonado. I mean, I guess it was boring and then really exciting for a moment and then boring again. Um, the he, other Lotus, Roman Grosjean in 12th. I mean, it's yeah. just those guys are still kind of lost at sea, it seems like. Um, a lot of retirements with uh, Adrian Sutil in the in the Sauber, taken out very early on. Um, and then Jean-Luc Verne in the STR. Marcus Erickson retiring. Uh, Gutierrez, obviously, with the uh, getting spun over. Both McLarens retiring. We didn't really talk about that. And... Uh, I guess it's since we're recording this just after the race. We don't actually know why, but... Uh, well, you know, and whatever. I mean, for Magnussen, there was a brush-up with Raikkonen again. Ugh. I don't know really how to classify that one, because the first one, the one last weekend, that wasn't even, in my mind, that wasn't anything more than a racing incident. Yeah. And, actually, uh, actually, I do want to talk about that a, oh, oh. a, a little bit. So that um, there, there's a couple articles and blog posts and stuff that have been written since... The uh, since that you know racing incident, even Raikkonen um, sort of didn't you know didn't feel like he needed to press charges, as it were. He was like, that was he got a penalty for that. Like you know, it's easy to sort of oh the Malaysian one, the Malaysian one, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and and I think you know in this race we saw several or heard several onboard radio uh, transmissions saying, oh, we need to get to Charlie, you know, talk to him about this, including uh, you know Botas checking up very quickly behind Raikkonen 
And but you know he had to he had to go off track to avoid Raikkonen who was slowing. But it wasn't there was a corner. It wasn't like a that Botas one was ridiculous. Yeah, that wasn't like a, any kind of penalty thing, and there wasn't a penalty given there. But the fact that that's one of the first things that people go to, or that there was a penalty for this contact uh, between uh, between Magnussen and Raikkonen in uh, in Malaysia. Um, is that's that's a more worrying trend, I think, than and several others um, think than you know the sound of the cars or, or certain other things about uh, the way that they are, uh, because some of the great races they were remember and great battles through the years, um, you know, you wonder if those wouldn't happen anymore. If it's oh, it's too much of a risk. What if what if I hit his wing? You know, if, if there's this risk reward, um, you know, drivers usually have a pretty good handle. You know, the best drivers will have a good handle on. Can I make this move? Can I stay with him around the outside? And if I go to the inside, you know, just what is, what is the momentum of the car? Where are the limits of my car and his car? And, you know, you kind of have this good understanding. But when you add into that, oh, well, what if I do this? And if it goes wrong, then you know, okay, well, if, if I spin out, that's bad. Or if he, you know, if he, you know, spins out or, or just, you know, if you cut down your tire, like you kind of know those risks. But if you add to that the risks of penalties and think, okay, well, if I make this move, if it works, I'm awesome. If it doesn't work, eh. But then if it doesn't work and I get a penalty, then I get 10 grid spots for the next race and it's like really bad for the team and then it's something everyone's going to talk about. And I think that adds this unnecessarily bad layer to racing when there is there are certainly lines you can cross that need to be penalized. And uh, like, like the Maldonado-Gutierrez uh, thing, um, which, you know, that sort of seems like you could look at that and very clearly see some several different ways that could have gone and it didn't even make sense for him to be pushing like that then anyway. Um, but so uh, that one in your mind, you're saying that one is clear. But you're saying there's a lot of them that are gray area that yeah, you're, the, you're saying they're too quick to pe- penalize. People are too quick to sort of oh let's get to Charlie, let's go talk about it, and and that shouldn't be uh, you know it's sort of like get on with it, guys. Like you know let's let's let the racing happen because that's what we saw today for the most part, and it was great. And I'm concerned that if we keep going down this road of anything that's you know slightly out of the ordinary, let's go to the penalty and let's think about penalty points and whatever. That's what I'm scared of uh, because that means you know i think people it'll just be you you can't pass anybody well you have to save your tires you have to save your brakes oh now you have to save your you know don't don't penalize anybody everybody be safe out there yeah and that gets away from the excitement of racing and you know we've had these you know arguments and debates about the, the technology and the way the tires are and of course the way the engines are and the sounds and all that um but ultimately the you know my point is like you know, but there's good racing like the, the sound and the efficiency and the whatever but it's like but at the bottom line is that there's guys pushing as hard as they possibly can to pass each other and to do right. better. Right. And if that goes away, that's the kind of thing that would lose interest in F1 for me is like if nobody makes any interesting moves anymore because it's like, oh, well, if we get a penalty, if we try this, right. that's no but, good. But I think you might have it backwards. I actually want, I want the drivers to have the team contact Charlie more often, more and more and more and more. Say, have Charlie look at this, have Charlie look at that because – that will increase the chances of Charlie going, screw it, I'm done, this is dumb, no more of this, you guys just race, leave me alone. Yeah. And then happiness. I feel like it's like brothers fighting and it's like, dad! Yeah, <laughs> exactly, know? exactly. He's like, on my side. Make him stop. Yeah. <laughs> and the dad's like, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> you two, you're on your own. Yeah. Have it out. Which always works for me since I was the older one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was... Uh, it was something that you're you're right to be concerned about. Um, let's let's not let that happen. But that is not a concern right now. There was plenty of racing right now. And actually, one thing that for me at least is proving not to be a concern: the fuel economy runs and all this kind of stuff. 
that's happening, but it's fairly transparent. I mean, we're not seeing we're not seeing cars deliberately going slower and things being single file because of fuel savings. It's just happening little bits in here, here and there for the race. It's like, oh, okay, save a little. Okay, you're on target. Push, whatever, you know, and that solves that problem. Yeah, which that to me is is kind of amazing that the regulations have come that close to spot on, you know, from the beginning of the race. I mean, those are the kind of things that you could look at adjusting and say, okay, we need to add, you know. Yeah, make it 105 kilograms or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, allow them a little bit more fuel or the fuel flow rate or whatever. But to see, it seems like just about the right balance where, yeah, sometimes people are backing off, but it's not – you know, it's not that the first three, you know, two thirds of the race are good. And then all of a sudden everyone's just, you know, sitting around going 40 miles an hour. It's like, no, there's still, there's still a pushing and there's still a balance. And it's just one more element of uh, what you have to do. Um, and that's one of the new graphics we got as well is some of the fuel use uh, information about how are you for the race as a whole on fuel use. And then how are you for one particular lap? So you can, you know, push for a, a few laps. And then maybe if you have some fuel in the bank to, to, to work from and so on, it's, it's a bit complicated. I definitely will, uh, um, will admit that, but it, it does, you know, I think, it's it's a good balance because uh, yeah we're not seeing um, no one's run out of gas yet or said oh they're doing an amazing race and all of a sudden it just all kind of petered out um, but uh, it is just one of the strategies the drivers have to deal with. So since the races and race and qualifying sessions and all that were at reasonable times for us, I was able to uh, follow along live on Twitter under hash FWCars uh, during qualifying yesterday and the race today. Whoa, so, whoa, me too. Well, not the qualifying part. I was totally Twittering it up, man. I was Twitter master. I Twittered the twat out of the tweet. Okay. Can you... <laughs> so thank you to all of those that were taking part. And actually, it's uh, there's... Yeah, you know, hundreds of tweets on uh, on hash FW cars. So uh, from uh, João Vera de Cunha, which is my best guess at his Portuguese name, uh, Laurie Jordan... Um, uh, who else Why didn't you let me pronounce that one? Ziggy Lori w- Jordan. Ziggy was in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, who else was in there? Oh, Cali Guffa. Oh, Pure Canucks made an appearance on the Twitter feed there. Ah, yes, our Argentinian friend. Yep, Mark Schreiber. Anyway, so thank you folks for taking part in uh, live tweeting with us. That is fun as always. Bernard A. was there too. I haven't seen him in a little while. Good times. Oh, yeah, and well, Bernard, uh, since you mentioned him, he also um, left a message on Facebook saying, what a race started with Sky Sports Stream, then switched to BBC Radio, then my boy commandeered the laptop, eventually watched the safety car incident onwards on MSNBC. Lewis and Rob, wow. So Bernard He's got watched a lot of it. options. Yeah, there. Bernard watched it on every possible uh, network. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Lewis and Rossberg provided the best fun ever for a while. And, uh, well, since I'm on here, Laurie Jordan also said, so, such a great race. And uh, Will Carver, what, period, A, period, race, exclamation point. Utterly awesome. So I think uh, there's fairly consistent results there. Yeah, and since we are recording this um, minutes after the finish of the Grand Prix, we don't have a whole lot of other people that have watched it and had are, you know had time to hop online and uh, make comments and, and things yet. But uh, you know, definitely, and it's only been a week, of course, since the last one. So uh, not as much listener feedback as uh, as there always is. But um, another quick uh, shout out to Martin and uh, Dave Stevens on Twitter as well, taking part. Andy Barnes uh, was in there too, and Clint Matlock. So thanks, guys, for uh, and girls for taking part with uh, with twittering with us. That is a lot of fun uh, and another thing to keep uh, keep track of, especially during the commercial breaks. That's the one downside of watching F1 <laughs> live in the U.S. Is uh, you know when you're watching it tape delayed you can just you know fast forward through the commercials and it's not so bad and they'll give you a quick little you know 20 yeah, second a little recap yeah. a recap of what you missed but when it's live you have to watch commercials for all the you know exciting products that are uh, and some of them are and fairly fantastic in their terribleness yeah. um also one thing that i'm i'm really trying to make a concerted effort to do is have 
our blog be more active and uh, kind of write our opinions out in longer form just a little bit. Uh, that started in Malaysia. And I just wanted to thank James Payne and Gustavo Barrichello uh, for commenting on the blog. And uh, that's quite nice to you. And then, of course, on Facebook, uh, people blogged on that as well. And uh, it's cool. You know, I, we love the interaction in all forms, not just podcastability. Right? Is that? Yeah. That's a word now. Sure. I just made another one. Let's call that a word. Um, I think a couple of the um, feedback that this, – this is a new feature, predictive listener feedback. So think ooh. feedback we haven't had yet but that I think might happen. Oh, oh, oh. Um, ooh, 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 ooh. Is there seems to be a lot of backlash online um, about the Maldonado penalty because in, in light of – there was a 10-grid spot penalty for Ricardo for you know leaving his pit box with the wheel not bolted on all the way, stopping 20 feet down the road and yes. getting pushed back. And it was yes. 10 grid places – and then Maldonado crashes into another guy. And two things. One, it seems like the low nose may have helped submarine the yes, other car. And that was flip definitely it over. discussed. But yeah. also, that's unsafe driving. And that that gives you five grid spot penalty. So There's three things. He also had a number 13 on his car. Again. <laughs> There's I always mean, that. But listen, I think that, that seems to be... Uh, I'm seeing asking for more it. and more... Uh, uh, you know, more and more coming out about people look, comparing the two penalties and seeing, you know, how, is that safe and does that matter and so on. So that I'm going to go ahead and say I think is something that our listeners may have as feedback. Well, and understandably and so. The one thing about, and correct me if I'm missing something, but uh, Ricardo had a penalty that he could have served and had it been done during the race. It was another stop and go. But he wasn't able to serve it because the car retired or something like that. So... There's something about his car was retired before the penalty could be served, and because the penalty technically wasn't served, um, then they uh, yeah. penalt- they had to give him another penalty, and that's Boy, why it ten- really fell off the rails for Ricardo, didn't he? Oh, it just yeah, and and in no way was it his fault. Jeez, I just we have to. I feel like we have to say that over and over and over again. Maldonado had a little bit of a bigger role in this one. This was not on Lotus quite as much. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that uh, that seems to be one of the you know, one one of the trending uh, kind of opinions there, and so we'll see if our fans, if you guys have uh, trending uh, opinions, opinions to weigh in on these things, uh, then feel free to uh, keep in touch with us on funwithcars.com, where you can see links to everything else that we do and leave comments on blog posts and podcasts and things like that, and also of course then you can find your way to our Facebook and Twitter feeds and uh, and go from there. So um, I also was asking folks how uh, how they liked our. Uh, Pit reporter, our you know our appearance from Jamie Price photo, and we got uh, four or five people coming back saying they really you know enjoyed having his uh, his opinions and his recordings and things right there. Oh, and, fantastic! Uh, that it was very cool to have that, and uh, but I think they want to see more pictures from the whole thing. So well, yeah, and uh, I actually talked with Jamie. We're working on that because we we want to do it. Everyone does, but we just want to get it right. But for sure, you can go to uh, jamiepricephoto.com and see all this stuff there. And, uh, you know, we're working that hopefully in the near future, we're going to be able to provide some pictures ourselves. So it's all, it's all in process. This is new for us, and uh, it's cool. It's phenomenally cool. And um, there was a bit of news that uh, is not directly related to F1, but I feel like this is a good time to say it because I just rem- remembered it. Um, Jacques Villeneuve uh, used to race Formula One cars. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone remembers him. Won a world championship and um, all that kind of fun stuff. He is going to be racing in the Indianapolis 500 this year. He's got a he's got a one-off ride, which I find imminently fascinating. I don't I have no idea how he's going to do. He won 
I believe. I hope I got this right. He won the Indianapolis 500 in 1995. That can be checked. Um, but here's what's cool about it, in my mind anyway. We've got... Um, oh, boy. Now I'm going to totally mess this up. But I, Jacques Villeneuve is going to be there uh, at the Indy 500. Juan Montoya, he's a full-time IndyCar driver now, so he'll be there um, in uh, at the Indy 500. Um, Justin Wilson, pretty sure he'll be there, former F1 guy. So that's three former F1 guys. And I'm sure I'm missing a few now that I put myself on the spot here. Oh, did you say Takuma Sato? I wasn't listening. I'm reading. Uh, Takuma Sato, yeah, that's uh, number four. Reading. And um, Bourdais still kicking around in Ah, uh, God, uh, yes. Sebastian Bourdais, definitely. So, and Rubens Barrichello is not doing it anymore, but, you know. Right. So, yeah, um, Jacques Villeneuve <laughs> on his Wikipedia page. Uh, is is a Canadian automobile racing driver and amateur musician. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, he had his country album. But yeah, uh, ninety five Indy five hundred winner, um, as well as ninety seven world champion with uh, with Williams, I believe. Yes. Um, and uh, definitely with Williams. It was all a car, and uh, and a ninety five IndyCar World Series champion. So he, that year he won the five hundred. That's when he went on to uh, be. The, it was the PPG IndyCar World Series champion when the nice glass manufacturer is a sponsor there. Pittsburgh Paint and Glass, ah, my paint friend. Paint and Glass, it's yes. both. Wow, there you go. So, yes. PPG, that was really the PPG IndyCar days were the glory days. That was the mid 90s where they really, they really ruled the roost and before the IRL cart split and blah, blah, blah. I knew IndyCar more than before I knew Formula One. Like I knew of, but you know what I'm saying. Sure. Anyway, um, I think it's time to predict because I'm excited to share my high score. Yes. So I'm looking at uh, Prediction Studs page here, and it's giving me the offer to change my prediction. And I just, hmm, I don't know. I had Vettel Vettel, and it's a flyaway race, so the performance is going to be relatively similar. Hmm... Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't think it's entirely fair. I think it was unlucky as much as anything that Vettel didn't even make it to Q3. And I think had he made it to Q3, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been quite so bad. And had it been Ricardo and had Ricardo <laughs> not had a 10 place Chris Vettel so, there's a lot of explanation <laughs> going on. There is because but yeah. it is not your really... prediction, I will say was better than mine. My prediction was Hamilton-Hamilton, which was wrong. We did actually have 14 people predict Rosberg-Hamilton for zero points, so well done to them um, That was just for this particular race. Those 14 people rule the day that they were 14 of them. Right, but I have to say, though, there are now no, no longer has anyone predicted perfectly for the whole season yet. We have five yes. folks, Ann Shaw, Daniel Watson, Craig Rosie, Jamie Bell, and Craig Thurston, who have just simply one point uh, for the season so far after three races, and then a bunch of folks with just two points and three and on from there. So um, I still I, I made up some ground over some folks, um, but I am now in 38th spot with six points. Um, <laughs> for the, for the, oh, and this is overall in the, in the predictions championship. I'm in 108th, <laughs> which is good. That's a good thing because it means that people are predicting, and that's awesome. That's part of that's the whole fun of it. Well, I am still ahead of Damien, by the way. That's true, by five points. And it's always better to be at the back moving forward than it is to be out front with everyone chasing you, right? Isn't that kind of an old uh, yeah, adage? Of... Yeah, totally, because then you might win. And pff, you're right. So, okay, but the pressure's on you to uh, predict first. That is one thing I, I am going to hold to that. Okay. Hold you to that. So, Damien says Rosberg-Hamilton. 
um, yes, from does. this race results that he thinks that's going to happen again. That's actually a pretty reasonable uh, prediction to make. At but, the moment, it, predictions in a way is kind of easy, isn't it? No, because you never know, right? I mean, if if if, if Hamilton, Hamilton, if he had had a, a, either a poor qualifying and then that carries on in the race or an engine failure or whatever, then there's still that level of questionable reliability. So I don't think that Hamilton's going to win. I do think that he will be on pole position again in China. But I think that it's actually going to be his teammate that wins. And I'm going Hamilton Rosberg. Oh, you're just uh, you're taking you're taking uh, Damien's predictions and inverting it, eh? Something like that. Well, that is. Uh, so you've already got Vettel. Vettel. That seems like that's you're going to stick with that, right? Yeah. Or go mm. button button again. You know, it's interesting you say that. I'm not going to do any of those things, but oh. I am. I mean, it's it's funny. It it doesn't sting nearly as much, but what we what we've done so far is we replaced one dominant team with another and but at least it's a different team it's a different team (laughs) and that almost alone is okay but we'll see how long that lasts that's the most critical thing yeah and uh i am going to say that lewis hampton will be on pole and i am going to say on top of that that he's going to win the race it's it's uh, i what can i say it's what it is Oh man, Craig the Kilt for Bahrain had Magnuson Magnuson, lending him twenty four points. Oh boy, <laughs> that's tough. He was the only one that went that way. Well, I mean, you know, good on him. You know, he's a, he's a McLaren guy. I understand that part of it, and he, uh, you know, Kevin Magnuson has done a great job. So I can see where he's coming. It just did not go that way. And I have to say, especially at the beginning of the race, I I was. Ready to say that? Oh, button button wouldn't have been all that bad, but then just at the end, it's like the car fell apart. I don't know what happened because he just after the yellow flag, uh, after the restart, he dropped like a freaking stone, and then they retired with a few laps left. It was yeah, ugh. yeah. Actually, quite a few people got hosed on a Vettel prediction for pole for this race. So uh, you're in you're in some good company down there in about 130th to 150th spot in the. Uh, I was 108th. No, but overall, in, in for the season, you're 108. But in the specifically Bahrain uh, race, there are 156 folks uh, predicting right now, and yes. uh, you were 147 of them. Well, so we got to uh, tip tip the hat to um, Ann Shaw, Daniel Watson, Craig Roos, Rossi, I don't mm, R O S E E, Jamie Bell, and Craig. Thurston or Craig Thurston, if he's normal, I don't know. And uh, one points between the five of them. It's going to be an epic battle for the Fun with Cars Predictions Championship. It's shaping up to be. It is. So that I think just about wraps up. We had a we had a quick show today because I've got to get off to the airport here and whatever. And I guess you've got to go get some food. Yeah. Well, I'm going to the airport tomorrow morning and preparing for that. So yeah. But uh, so I'm sure there's plenty we, uh, we could have talked about to, to go more. So uh, if, if we miss something, please let us know at funwithcars.com. You can comment on our shows and uh, reply ironic. back to us there. It's ironic. One of the most exciting races of the year, and it's also one of the shortest shows. It was yeah. like everything was like, oh, my God, this happened. Then, oh, my God, this well, happened. Well, because it wasn't the, the, the usual, like, you know, oh, he ignored team orders, and that's wanky, and we need to debate it. And, like, we're, you know, we're finally over that whole stupid thing about the sounds and whatever. So it's like now it's just kind of we can, we can just talk about what was cool on the race and enjoy it and revel in it for – um, 55 minutes. It's not like the shortest show ever. And, I disagree. Uh, oh, well, there you go. Well, now it's being longer, but every, every word you say, <laughs> the show gets a little bit longer. I disagree again. Um, just remember that, folks. Robin is always here to disagree. 
there you go. So we will, you will hear from us in about two weeks' time from uh, coverage of China, possibly with a pit lane reporter, possibly not, though. Don't, uh, don't, don't quote us on that. And uh, we hope you have a nice couple of weeks in the meantime. Till then, I am Jim Lau. And I am Rob Warner with a poem. <laughs> Should I end it there? Yeah. Okay.